We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden in partnership with 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello. And, you know, the Titans keep doing this to us. We drop a podcast (laughs) on Monday night or Tuesday morning, and then, bang, Tuesday or Wednesday, a bunch of news drops, and we had to wait a week to talk about it. Well, that's what we're doing again this week. Justin, how's it going? I might have a beef of the week candidate for later. It might just be the Tennessee Titans in general, right? Like You're right. They keep doing this to us with the coaching hires and now all these cuts that we're going to get into. Uh, I'm doing well. Excited to talk about some of the roster turnover. NFL Combine is here, so excited to discuss some of that with you as well. And then, uh, no, we do have a, a, a pretty good beef of the week this week, so I think I'm going to leave the Titans out of it for now. But you're on my shit list, Titans, if you keep doing this. <laughs> The whole organization is going to make the beef of the week. Just like, let's get some uh, some better timing with these news. Like, even like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, that, any of those four days yeah. would be great. You got like Monday well, morning. Yeah, start Monday the week. You've got the weekend off. Start Monday morning. Everyone, Monday morning is the start of the week. Start it off with a bang, Nick. Do everything you got to do now. So they take Monday off, then Tuesday comes. and like, oh, shit, I guess we got to announce all those things we planned over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, come on. All right. So anyway, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about, yes, a bunch of roster cuts came down. And now I will say right off the bat, all of these were expected. I don't think any of these were a true surprise. We weren't sure 100% which way they would go. But the Titans do decide to part ways with stalwart left tackle Taylor Lewan, who has been, you know, a huge member of the team since he was drafted in 2014. He's gone. He leaves behind $0 in dead cap, which is the main reason that he was probably cut and about $15 million in savings. So that was a huge cut for the Titans. Before we move on to the other guys, how does this change the outlook for 2023? If at all, were you counting on Taylor Lewan? He's missed so many games the last three seasons. Like It would be foolish to have been counting on him, I think. So I think we all expected the Titans would move on from Taylor Lewan. They did not bring him back on a lower salary number. Now, Paul Kaharski reported that that might still happen. But Taylor also said on his podcast that everyone who's a Titans fan knows about that He's, his knee is still not right. He said he still needs to get the juice back in his knee. He's contemplating potentially retiring or if, you know, the right team comes calling for a left tackle, maybe he'll join them. But right now he's still not healthy. He's obviously had so much trouble with the knee ever since tearing the ACL three seasons ago. What was your reaction to the Taylor Lewan cut? Yeah, it, it was the most expected one of them all, in my opinion, even though some of the others were also expected. $15 million nearly, I think it's 14.8 exactly, in cap savings for a team that was like $20 million above the cap. It's a no-brainer, right? It almost immediately got them within striking distance of being cap compliant. He's torn his ACL twice in the last three years. Of course, that's season ending. He's had some a concussion issue. Um Big fan of Luan, the player, the person, obviously, as well. Great personality. They're going to miss him since they drafted him in 2014. You almost take it for granted how nice it was to just have, to not have to worry about the left tackle position, right? And then to go from him to a Dennis Daly, 
you're kind of reminded how much of a headache that position is when you don't have someone reliable there. So they're going to miss the reliability Taylor Lewan brought when he was healthy. Um, but unfortunately, again, that hasn't been the case in a number of years, right? They, they played David Kissenberry there for a little bit. They played Tyson Brelo there for a little bit. Uh, that was, I believe, in the first year that Luan tore his ACL. They, uh, then I think it was Kissenberry went there or Sombrelo, and then one of them tore their ACLs, right? Yeah. He had to go to the other one. So um, they're going to miss them. Nothing changes for them. I, I, I always thought this was going to happen. Again, I think everyone did. And I always thought left tackle was their biggest need entering this offseason, all, all this really did um, was confirmed that that's the case. Right, and if you look at any mock draft around the league right now, they've all got the Titans going with a tackle. Um, almost everyone has some Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones or some form of tackle in the first round there. Or even so. Skaronsky, right? Like, it's one of the, yeah. every mock draft you click, it's one of the three. And I don't blame them. Like, it's not, it's the right thing to do. It's not lazy. It's It's what they should be targeting probably there at 11th overall, so... And in like six or seven weeks, you and I will be really into breaking down the differences between those three tackles and which one we like most for the Titans. But we're still quite a ways from draft season. So let's roll on now with what's happening currently, which is these roster cuts. The Titans also got rid of Robert Woods, saved about $12 million against the cap from cutting Woods. He did have a little bit of dead money, so they are taking a small hit, but the savings are well worth the hit that they take there. And when the Titans traded for Robert Woods last season, last offseason, there was a lot of thought that looking at his contract that this could be a one-year deal with the Titans. If things don't work out, they can get out of it after that one year. And then, you know, if he's great, they have him on a pretty reasonable cap hit for a good wide receiver. If he's not great, get rid of him. I think it's safe to say he was not great. With the Titans, I don't even know if he was good with the Titans. Um, so the Titans part ways there. The receiver room looks pretty bare, but I do think this was the right move to uh, to move forward and bring in more talent either through the draft or through free agency. Although there's not a ton of wide receiver talent hitting the free agent market this year. Yeah, this was a no brainer. Like, there's no way they could they could have brought Robert Woods back and, and, and at that cap hit, right? Like releasing him and saving twelve million dollars when you have an issue against the Caps, a no brainer, right? This was so pedestrian. Fifty three receptions for five hundred and twenty seven yards. Like, I know the, you know the the offensive line held them back and and the passing game held them back as well uh, in general. But Robert Woods was not very good, right? Just individually, he wasn't. He struggled with separation. I'm so over these thirty you know plus old receivers with injury issues like if the Titans ever bring in another one again like I'll have I'll honestly have zero to no hope that that player is going to do anything um, really noteworthy right we we fooled ourselves into Julio Jones really John Robinson fooled himself into Julio Jones and then fooled himself into Robert Woods the very next year I saw a, a fact out there I think PFF put it out that they basically paid Robert Woods and Julio Jones the same amount of money they would have paid Julio uh, AJ Brown through an extension it's just so pathetic, right? And and further, uh, really is a nail in the coffin to how awful that decision-making has been at the receiver position uh, by John Robinson. But this was a no-brainer. Look, they got to go out and find receivers, whether that's through the draft or free agency or even through a trade, preferably not another 30-year-old coming off an of injury, as I said. Um, but so, I'm curious to see where this goes. So you want the Titans to trade for Keenan Allen. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> another 30-year-old receiver with injuries. Um you know, I'm curious to see where this goes. Because the way I look at it now, guys on the roster, entering, you know, who who do you entering 2023 with as your top pass catchers? It's a trio. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you should count Kyle Phillips. Maybe I shouldn't. But if you did, it's a trio of sophomores, right? It's Traylon Burks, 
it's Chigakwankwo and it's Kyle Phillips, all, all guys that were rookies in 2022. Is the answer to this room to draft another rookie that's probably going to take his bumps and bruises like all rookie receivers do and take his time to acclimate to, to, to professional football? So it's a question they have to ask. It's, if so, it's a full-blown youth moment at receiver, and you're kidding yourself if you think it's going to go particularly well. Like typically there's, there are going to be lots of struggles, right? So uh, I'm, I'm cur- but I agree that the receiver market in free agency is not good. It's really not, right? And if you're getting one of those guys, you're overpaying big time, right? For a Jacoby Myers, a Juju Smith-Schuster, unless you can get lucky and find that sweet spot of a guy that's undervalued, underrated, and outperforms the deal. But typically, that's not what happens in free agency, especially at receiver, right? Where people tend to overpay, especially the way the market's taken off lately, right? With last year, when we saw what happened to A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, and all that. And yeah, there's not a player of that caliber, but there's also the Christian Kirks that got a ton of money, right? So a lot of these guys, Jacoby Myers is probably going to get $16, $17 million a year, in my opinion. Juju Smith-Suster is probably going to get $10, $12 million a year, right? So I'm curious to see how they attack this position. Yeah, and then you have, you know, other guys like DJ Chark, Darius Slayton. Like, there's mid-tier guys, I would say mo- almost like replacement level. But the Titans, you know, when they when you look at the room right now, like, who's replacement level right now? Is Nick Westbrook-Akina, like, do you trust him more than DJ Chark or, or a Darius Slayton or somebody to make plays? Like, maybe you trust him more to be where he's supposed to be, which is such a big value thing in the Titans' offense. But, like, also making plays is a pretty big deal, and I don't think the Titans have nearly enough guys who can do that. My question is, like, is there a receiver that you would trade for? I think it would hurt, you know, in the core of your bones to have to go out and trade for a playmaking wide receiver when you had A.J. Brown already on the team and you traded him away. But, you know, speaking of 30-year-old receivers – DeAndre Hopkins is apparently on the trade block in Arizona. There's uh, rumors that Mike Evans could be traded, although Bucks fans will yell at you if you even tried to mention the idea that Mike Evans could be traded. Um, but those rumors are also swirling. So, you know, there, there's options Adam out there. Thielen. Adam Thielen's another one in Minnesota that's probably going to get moved. I looked into the financials on Mike Evans, and in all honesty, after educating myself on it, I agree with Bucks fans. I, I don't really see a scenario that makes sense where the Bucks get rid of Mike Evans. It's not as financially fruitful as you would think it is. Um, but, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of these 30-year, like Adam Thielen. You just mentioned four of them. Adam Thielen, Keenan Allen. Uh, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hoggins. I mean, there's a lot of these receivers might get moved and a lot of teams out there better be careful with what they do. But the thing is like wide receivers who are really good are not hitting the free agent market. Either their teams are paying them money or they're being traded. Tyreek Hill last off season, AJ Brown, um, Devonte Adams. Adams. Like th- that's the new way to, re- to acquire a star wide receiver who's already in the league. It's either you draft them or you trade for them. You know, these guys aren't hitting free agency anymore. You know, the, and maybe it's like a cautionary tale of Kenny Galladay who signed for like 20 million a year with the giants and then never played football again. Pretty much. It feels like, <laughs> um, we also had like Marquise Brown get traded from the Ravens to the Cardinals last year. And that didn't really for a first round pick for a first round. I mean, that was almost the same as the AJ Brown trade terms and that didn't really work out for them. So it's not like it's a guarantee that just cause he's a veteran receiver who's been somewhat productive that they're going to be productive. And then you have the Titans, you know, trading for Julio Jones, trading for Robert Woods, like these veteran guys that you think of as established good players. They come to Tennessee. They're used differently because it's not a very high volume passing offense. They have injury issues because they're in their thirties and it just doesn't work out. So Honestly, I, I know that you would take your bumps and bruises and your learning curve and all that if you draft a rookie wide receiver, but the hit rate on rookie wide receivers over the last three to five years 
is pretty incredible. And I think that even with a weaker draft class, the Titans should still look to bolster the position maybe on day two through the draft more so than, I mean, you bring in one of these veteran guys. The only issue with that is that the veteran leadership in the wide receiver room right now for the Titans is like, it's Nick Westbrook. Like that's your veteran. Now you don't have a guy who's like been there and done it at a high level. that can like lead this team. It can show Traylon Burks, like how to be a professional receiver. Maybe that's on Rob Moore, but you'd like to have a veteran guy in there that can lead the room. Pretty disrespectful to Cody Hollister, but I'll just keep going. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I think you're right. And I think day two is probably the sweet spot for them. Like, yeah, at 11th overall, um, you know, if Quinton Johnston is there, and I'll be honest, I'm I'm 50-50 on the guy. I, I, I have concerns. I'm probably going to look pretty silly after the combine because I think he's going to absolutely blow the lid off Indianapolis. You're talking about a guy that's well over six feet tall, 200 whatever pounds he is, and is probably going to run a 4-3. Like, it's going to be really, really hard for teams to probably talk themselves out of Quinton Johnston, athletically uh, gifted as, as any receiver really, as you'll see in the last five, 10 years, I, I, at least linear, right? I've got some questions when it comes to sinking his hips and changing direction. And, and that's where I, my questions uh, arise. I think he's really good running in a straight line. I think when it comes to getting in and out of his breaks, he, he's, he's very tall, right? Those guys typically are a little bit high hipped. And um, that's where I have some concerns um, personally with his game. But I also feel like I'm kind of alone. He is the consensus number one receiver in this class. I think it's starting to look that way by a wide margin. I think after the combine, there will probably be even more distance between him and a a Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State who's not that physically impressive and is not going to test that well. And, And same with an Addison, right, who I think has some obvious physical limitations from a height weight perspective, whereas Addison's going to come in chiseled and run a four, three, right? So um, if you're not taking him in 11, which again, I don't think you you should, I I do think they should go with the tackle. um, Then I think day two and day three is a sweet spot. You know what? One guy that I really like that's not getting talked about enough. And I know we'll have plenty of time to do this, but I'm going to do it right now because it's, I'm part of this podcast. Damn it. This is 50% mine and I do what I want. Do what Um, you want. And hopefully, and hopefully, you know, we got Tennessee fans in here. Um, not enough talk about Cedric Tillman, the receiver from the Vols. A, a lot of a lot of talk about Jalen Hyatt. I get it. The speed. He, he's another guy that's going to blow the lid off the combine. But there are concerns with his game as well, right? He didn't really face any press coverage. He's really good at running in a straight line. Didn't really run a route tree. He's a burner. Take the top off. You can get into a fun argument with Jalen Hyatt, right? It's you knock him for what he can't do, but then sometimes you can get yourself in trouble by not just realizing what he can do and just making it simple. Yeah, sure. You know what? Let him run in a straight line and take the top off of defense and see what that does for you. But I'm a really big fan of Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. I got a high grade on him. I know he was, you know, a little overshadowed by Hyatt this year. And I think, he, you know, he had some injuries, so he didn't play a full year. This was a thousand yard receiver in 2021 for Tennessee. And that was, he, he was their first thousand yard receiver in like a decade, I think, or something like that. So this is a really, really good football player. That's physically imposing as well. He's like six, two, six, three, 215 pounds. I think he's getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. I'd feel like if he's there in the third round, to me, that's an absolute no-brainer. If you want to move down in the second round from 41, maybe go to around 50, 55 and pick up a third or fourth rounder. Remember, they don't have a fourth rounder. I complained about that a few weeks ago. I think they need one. I think they'd like to have one. You can move down from 42 or 41, wherever they're at, and pick Cedric Tillman at 50, 55. Um, that'd be something I'd sign up for right now. 
Nice. That's great. Great uh, insight there as we, you know, some names to watch as the combine starts this week at at the receiver position. Um, Rolling forward now with the cuts that have happened recently. The Titans also released linebacker Zach Cunningham. This one saved them almost nine million against the cap. We knew again, we knew this was coming. They have in-house replacements ready to go, I think, in Monty Rice. And if they re-sign David Long, he's your obvious starter. If they don't, do you roll Dylan Cole out there? Do you go draft another guy? So Dylan, do you go sign another guy? So Dylan Cole's a free agent as well, right? So oh, I wow. think <clears throat> the name you're forgetting there is Jack Gibbons, right? The UDFA out of Minnesota that that played a lot of ball for them last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're giving me a look. Do you do you remember who Jack Gibbons is? I know is? who Jack Gibbons is. He was a UDFA, oh. Dr. Gibby. He was apparently very smart, but like, come on. Are we, is this guy really a, a starting linebacker in the NFL or oh. is he a special teams player? I'm with you 100%. I just thought he played some decent football <laughs> for them last year down the he stretch. Did. And he, he, remind, he reminded me a lot of Zach Cunningham, honestly, where he's a two-down backer and is not going to give you any really anything in coverage. I think I'm not going to talk too much about this because I think I said a lot of the same things uh, on the David should they re-sign David Long episode, which I think we just did last week. Yeah. I talked about this linebacker depth. We talked about probably cutting Zach Cunningham. Lo and behold, it happened just as we expected. So now you're left with Dylan Cole. Oh, sorry, Dylan Cole's a free agent again. So you're left with Monty Rice, Jack Gibbons, Chance Campbell, who oh, yeah. was a day three draft pick last year that I think got hurt in August and, and, and didn't really play for them at all, I don't think. Right. He's an, a more an athletic guy, so you, you think you, you hope maybe he could give you something in coverage if you if you think he's an NFL level linebacker. But this is a this is a room, man. <laughs> it's quite the room, right? Chance Campbell, Monty Rice, Jack Gibbons. It's extremely inexperienced. It's extremely green right now. If they don't resign David Long, they absolutely have to make a move here. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And uh, the last Cuddy cut Cunningham that came... was the right move, regardless. I'm sorry, Cuddy Cunningham was the right move, regardless. He didn't gave you nothing in 2022. Recurring elbow injuries, lots of money saved against the cap. He's not a good player in coverage. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say I take a victory lap because I know I ended up looking pretty dumb when the Titans claimed Zach Cunningham off waivers. I had written an article a few days before saying why the Titans shouldn't claim Zach Cunningham off waivers. Hmm. So some people rubbed it in, you know, they took their victory lap. Oh, they, they shouldn't. Well, they did. And you know what? I know he played well for them down the stretch of 2021. It wasn't a whole lot of football when you look no, back at it. It's like so four games. Really, did that move pay off for them? They they basically got him on a huge salary in 2022. He made a lot of money this past year, a huge cap hit, which I argued against at the inside linebacker position. They got nothing from him, and now they cut him. So I don't feel as stupid as I did in the moment when I wrote they shouldn't claim him, and then they did. I said why they shouldn't. There were some injury guarantees there as well. I think if he had gotten hurt uh, down the stretch in 2021, it would have guaranteed his salary for 2022 at a very large number. They decided to keep him at that large number, even though he didn't get hurt, did not pay off at all, gave him nothing in 2022, and and here they are. uh, They've moved on from him. Yep, and again, it was the right move. Another obvious one that a lot of Titans fans saw coming. And the last one here, this one I don't think as many people saw coming, but kicker Randy Bullock was also released all together, the Titans roster cuts have put them now. It depends where you look and what exact numbers you have on uh, Spotrack. They are sitting at $9.9 million of estimated cap space on over the cap. They are sitting at $12.4 million of cap space. So it's like a $3 million cap difference there. That's like one or two players. But um, put them considerably under the cap after they were very much over the cap. 
Randy Bullock, the Titans don't have a kicker now. The only kicker on the roster is Caleb Shudak, who's never kicked in an NFL game. So that'll be interesting to see what they do that, at that position this offseason. If they draft someone, if they bring in another UDFA guy to compete, if they go sign one of these veterans on the market, or if somebody like a Cameron Dicker, who kicked for like three or four different teams last year, finds himself on the market uh, come free agency, maybe they go get a guy like that. We'll see what they decide to do here. But the Randy Bullock era in Tennessee is mercifully over. Yeah, you're right. It's not one a lot of people pointed out as being possible, I think. Um, you know, in the, over the last couple of months, you know, I, I wrote a lot of articles. Many people wrote lots of articles about who they were going to cut or who they might. Uh, but it is one that makes sense, right? I think they saved $2 million against the cap. Randy Bullock can't make field goals from 50 yards or further, as we know. He's just so limited when it comes to distance. This is absolutely the right move. Um, and I wonder, you know, John Robinson always kind of undervalued the kicker position to a degree, right? Like he, he never drafted one. And look, there are a lot of people who think drafting a kicker is a waste of a pick. And I understand that argument, but with the struggles they had at the position, you thought at some point he may have been willing to switch up how he was going to get these kickers. But they brought in a couple of UDFAs throughout the years, one every single year. They brought in a kid from Michigan, uh, Ohio State one year, uh, all kinds of guys. None of them ended up working out. A lot of them got hurt. Oddly enough, like Caleb Shudak got hurt. The they kid all from got Ohio hurt State in training camp. Hurt. Like, what the heck? Yeah, like all of them got hurt in training camp. Um, but now, so now I wonder if the new GM, if he'll consider using a draft pick on a kicker. Now, they, they don't have a ton of picks. They've got a lot of holes. So I don't know that they'll go that way. And maybe you can get one of these guys as a UDFA. There are some good kickers in this draft. I'll just give you two quick names. Jake Moody from Michigan. Shout out to Teron Davenport, who's been championing him. Um, for a while now, you know, when you look at Moody's raw numbers this year, 29 of 35, not that great, right? 82.8% did make all 60 of his extra points. I think what's most impressive is he had a 59 yarder against TCU in the college football playoff there, that semifinal that Michigan got blown was, I think they got blown out if I recall correctly, but he had a 59 yarder in that game. He also made two 50 yard field goals um, or further. I think a couple of them were a little further, but 50 plus yards in the East West Shrine Bowl. So he was at the all-star mm. circuit. So clearly he's got distance. Another one is, is Chad Ryland from Maryland, 19 to 23 this year, nine for nine from under 40. So you like that reliability. What I do understand worry about is obviously, you know, he went 10 to 14. That means on kicks over 40 yards. So that's a little concerned, but you know what? He did make 53 and 52 yarders this year against Michigan and had a 51 yarder against Michigan state as well. So he did show some reliable distance from 50 plus when he got those opportunities. But I think those are probably my two top kickers in this draft, the kid from Michigan and the kid from Maryland. So all these roster cuts, the Titans now sit somewhere between nine and 12 millions in, in cap space. That's not necessarily a lot. You know, you're not going to go out. You you have Nate Davis is going to be a free agent. David Long is going to be a free agent. Some other guys too. And then obviously you want to bring talent into the team. Well, you're not going to really get it done with 9 to $12 million in cap space for this season. So where else could the Titans save money? I think the obvious one that everyone's kind of still waiting for is Bud Dupree, who carries a huge cap hit this season. He will carry a $20.2 million te- uh, cap hit. If they cut him, they'll save a, almost uh, almost ten million between nine and ten million there because he does carry a ten point eight million dollar dead cap hit. But something interesting tweeted out here by uh, Jason underscore OTC, he's the founder of OverTheCap.com, put this out back on February twenty third when the Titans were, were announcing all these cuts that Bud Dupree has a partial salary guarantee in twenty twenty three, which pretty much means the Titans have to wait until the start of the new league year to release him. Now I was trying to do some research on, on this and like what, what the 
whole point of it is. But apparently, if the Titans release Bud Dupree before 2023 league year starts, the dead cap is even higher than if they wait till after the new league year starts. Further, they could save more money by waiting until after June 1st to release Bud Dupree, designate him as a post-June 1st cap hit, push the dead cap um, between equally this season and next season. However, if you do that, you can't use that money in free agency. You'd have to save it for like the very late wave of free agency, the August signings. You can use it for your draft picks, but it's way more money than the Titans need just for draft picks. So I tend to think, you know, start a new league year shows up, Bud Dupree will be cut. Um, but we're still waiting to find out what happens there. But they could save, you know, over $10 million by cutting Bud Dupree when the time is right. Yeah, um, I was glad we got that note from Jason over there at, at Over the Cap because we were all wondering, like, why wasn't he announced with Luan Woods, Cunningham? Because we all figured he's one of the more obvious candidates. Um, I'm not, I'm no contract guru. I'm always the first to admit that. But it sounds a little similar to what's going on with Bobby Wagner. Right, yes. like I, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, the news came out that the Rams are going to release Bobby Wagner, but it can't become official until the start of the new league year. So they're actually still allowed to trade him between now and then, um, due to a clause in the contract. So similar with Bud Dupree, the difference there is we know the Rams are going to release him, and it's been announced. But that could also just be like an agent already trying to drum up interest, right, in Wagner before he hits the market, knowing that he had such a good year, um, for the Rams this year, or at least you know statistically, whereas. But Dupree's agent might not have the same interest because Dupree didn't have a terrific year, so may not be a whole lot of point in trying to drum up interest, you know, two weeks before free agency starts. Like, for example, even though the Rams um, intend to release Wagner, he's not even allowed to sign with anyone until the start of the new league year because it doesn't become official until then. It would be the same thing with Bud Dupree, which means there's really no point in announcing it now if it is their attention. And the difference is, again, like Taylor Lewan can sign with a team right now. Robert right. Woods can sign with a team right now. So there is a big difference here. If they were to cut Bud Dupree right now, he wouldn't be able to sign with a team right now due to this contract clause. So there's no no real reason to do this right now. I'd still like to think that it's probably going to happen. I, I, I mean, you just can't justify that cap hit, the dollars versus the production that you've gotten from him. I am interested in this whole pre versus post June thing. You know, yeah, I think you get to save what? It's about an extra $6 million by, yeah, by, by designating him as a post- yeah, Almost six and as a half. post June first, but is it really worth it? Like you said, you can't use that money until post June first. Like you're talking about third wave free agency signing. You're talking about signing guys like when you got Demarcus Walker last year and Mario Edwards and Joshua Kalu, Terrence Mitchell, Andrew Adams. Even though a couple of those guys happened in season, you know what I mean. That's typically the type of caliber of player you're going to find post June. So is it worth waiting? Till then, to save an extra six and a half million when you're not going to really be able to put all that money to great use, or do you just take the nine? I think it's like nine and a half million now when you're you can need it right in the first wave of free agency or resign some of your own players. I'll, I'll, I'll say this if they designate Bud Dupree as a post June cut and they pass up on nine and a half million dollars in savings, by the way, they're gonna have a ton of cap space in 2024. Like next summer, they're gonna have a ton of cap space, a ton. Yeah. So you, they need it now, right? They don't need right. it post-June. But if they decide to take the post-June, in all honesty, it tells me that they don't see themselves being very competitive at all in 2023. And you know, not to say you're punting the year entirely, but I, I think you're really, really looking forward to 2024 if you designate Bud, uh, Bud Dupree as a post-June cut. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, because that kind of spins into where I wanted to go next, which is what do all these roster cuts tell us about this team? Because 
right now, if we look at the Titans and, you know, they could make more roster cuts really quickly. I'm just going to run through financially other ways they could save money. I don't know that they will do any, definitely not all. I don't know if they'll do any of these things, but ways that they could in a theoretical world save money. If you cut Ryan Tannehill, you save about $18 million. If you cut Kevin Byard, you save about $6 million. If you cut Derrick Henry, you save about $6 million. If you cut Danico Autry, you save about $7 million. If you cut Ben Jones, you save about $4 million. Uh, Jamarco Jones is almost a million dollars. Dylan Radins is almost a million dollars. Christian Fulton is $1.3 million. Monty Rice is $900,000. Elijah Molden is $900,000. Now, I don't think they're going to do any of those things. Um, especially not, you know, the lower level guy, the guys who are still in the rookie contracts, like they're not going to release those guys to save a million dollars against the cap. But the point is if the Titans did want to go full rebuild right now, they could potentially do it. The question is, what do you do with that cap space? If you're entering a rebuild and you, you don't really want to compete or don't think you will compete in 2023, like you're not going to cut one of your starting cornerbacks to go sign somebody that costs you way more than that cornerback to save a million dollars. Like I'm not saying that that's what they're going to do. But the high-level ones, you know, the Danico Autry. Danico Autry is, you know, in his 30s. If the Titans aren't going to be competitive in 2023, maybe they do want to save that $7 million. Maybe they don't use it this year. It rolls over to next year, $7 million in savings. Does Danico Autry's timeline match where the Titans are? I don't think they're going to cut Autry. I'm not suggesting that they do. But I think if any more cuts come down and the timing of them as well, like you're talking about with Bud Dupree, I think we will learn a little more about what the Titans feel about themselves this year. If they make no more cuts, if Ryan Tannehill stays on the team, if Derrick Henry is not traded or cut, then they're obviously trying to win the AFC South again in 2023. Whether or not they have the, the horses to do it, we'll find out. But if they start making moves, you know, especially at quarterback or running back, they are signaling to everyone, we are going, we are punting to 2024. We're going to build our culture up in 2023 with the players that we do have. We're going to see what Malik Willis can give us, maybe. But um, beyond that, you know, we'll see what they decide to do here. If I had to guess, I would say that they keep all these players and tr try to run it back one more time in 2023 with a brand new offensive staff. But if they don't do that, I think the, the best way to build a winner in the NFL right now is to cut all those guys, lose out, <laughs> draft Caleb Williams, number one overall in 2024. But... That also, you know, brings into question like your culture, your locker room, all the stuff that like the Eagles went through at the end of Doug Peterson's tenure there. Like, are they not even trying to win? Why would the players want to play there? So I don't think necessarily they will do that at all. But, you know, if this was like Madden or something and, and the psychology of it didn't matter, that would be the best way to go. Worked pretty well for the Cincinnati Bengals, didn't they? Despite all that, like, and it was the same head coach, right? Zach Taylor yeah. that went like two and 14 in his first year and then drafts Joe Burrow and he tears his ACL. They go like three and 13. And he's still there. They draft T. Hit, uh, sorry, Jamar Chase, and uh, didn't seem like culture has been too much of an issue there for the Bengals as they right. continue to flirt with Super Bowl status. So, um, but no, I think that does it for that. I don't got too much to say. I mean, Autry's coming off the books. I think at the end of 2023. So I don't think you'd cut him because he's coming off the books anyway. But maybe you, if you, but you're right because if you get an offer for if they trade him, for example, I don't think they'd cut him. But if they trade him for a third or fourth round pick, for example then yeah, I do think that signals what they think about themselves in 2023. And of course, the Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry decisions, if there are any to be made there, um, are the ones that are, are really telling, right? Regar right. Regarding what they think of um, themselves. 
I think that does it for that. Um, before we get into some combine stuff, do you want to hit our beef of the week? Yes, let's hit our beef of the week. And this coincides with more Titans news that came down on Monday. Thank you. Thank you, Titan. Although the Titans didn't announce it, so we don't really it's not that we're not thanking them. But um yeah, we're not giving them any credit. They continue to screw us on this pod, so it's absolutely. got nothing to do with that. All right. It's time now for our beef of the week, presented by the pharmacy, burger parlor, and beer garden, the best beef, the best brats, the best brews in Nashville. Check them out. Make sure you tell them the Music City Audible sent you. My beef of the week this week is with Luke Steckel. Luke Steckel has decided on Monday, February 27th, according to reports from A to Z Sports Nashville, he will be joining the Bears staff. He was slated to become the Titans run game analyst. He already was, I guess, the Titans run game analyst. He has turned that position down, I guess, in favor of joining the Chicago Bears offensive line staff. Now, I'm struggling to understand what that means. Is he an offensive line assistant coach? He's going to be working under offensive line coach Chris Morgan for Chicago. But what does this mean? Why why would you give up a spot as a run game analyst? Maybe, I mean, who knows if that was a demotion or what? I feel like it wasn't a demotion. I feel like it was a brand new role that had never been in existence under Mike Vrabel's staff. You give that up to go become an offensive line assistant, according to the report? What does that even mean? Why would you want that? Luke, what are you doing? Why are you leaving us hanging? My beef of the week is with you. I'm with you on this. My beef of the week is with Luke Steckel. Um, this is a confusing one to me as well. If I had to guess, I would say this. I read the story. It was broken by A to Z Sports. Uh, kudos to them. It's a it's a good scoop. Um, it, it sounds like, and they say this in the article, that he was not interviewed for the OC position for the tight. So he's the tight end coach. He knows the last two tight end coaches, Arthur Smith, Todd Downing. They became the offensive coordinator. Um, Tim Kelly was the passing game coordinator working with him, right, as the tight ends coach. As we now know, Tim Kelly spent most of the year working with the tight ends, presumably under him, right, because he's not the tight end coach, so presumably working under Luke Steckel. Um, and then Tim Kelly gets the offensive coordinator job. And furthermore, I think that what really hurts is he gets an interview, Luke Steckel does, with the Los Angeles Chargers to be their offensive coordinator. I think that was pretty surprising. No one saw that coming. He did not get hired. I don't think we anticipated him getting hired. But he gets an interview there to be their OC, Justin Herbert, a job everyone wanted on the market. They got a great OC in Kellen Moore, right? It was such a desirable OC job due to the quarterback. Yet he gets interviewed there, but he doesn't get interviewed in Tennessee, apparently, for the same job where he works. If I had to guess, he feels pretty slighted about this whole thing. Um, I, I don't. Is it a demotion? He was going to run game analyst. I just the reason I'm choosing it as my beef of the week is I find it strange for him to essentially have accepted right. the role to be the run game analyst, like accept a change in job, and then bolt like two weeks later for a job that doesn't sound like an upgrade, right? Like you said, it's probably like an assistant offensive line position on a really bad football team with a really bad offensive line, by the way, in the Chicago Bears. So. It's a strange decision. I can understand why he might have felt slighted if that's what it is based on, you know, the lack of an interview at OC. But uh, he shouldn't have accepted the run game analyst title. Assuming that he did, I don't think Vrabel would get to make that announcement. Right. You know, talking to him about it and him saying, yes, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to do this job. Uh, so that's my RB for the week with Luke Steckel. We agree on this. Very strange story coming out of Tennessee there. Yeah, and if we find out that the position is something more than an offensive line assistant, then, you know, maybe he's, like, actually doing something cool. Good for him. But like you said, yeah, if you if you don't want to be the run game analyst and you're still looking for other opportunities, you know, like what we heard with Chris Harris, who was like, if nothing else happens, if he doesn't get a defensive coordinator position, he will join the Titans staff, but it wasn't official or anything. 
like do that thing do the whole like well i'm still looking you know i did an oc interview like maybe i'll get a better position somewhere else don't accept the job whatever luke steckle good riddance see you later um (laughs) that is our beef of the week presented by the pharmacy burger parlor and beer garden all right let's wrap up this episode with a little bit of combine talk you already mentioned uh, a handful of names to keep an eye on um, at the receiver position and elsewhere this week what else have you got for us as the combine is officially going to be underway in indianapolis later this week yeah i actually want to talk about some underrated aspects I, i think for the most part our audience knows what this week means um, from, from the testing perspective, obviously the Titans will have lots of formal interviews with prospects. We'll be able to find out some of those. Those are fairly big where they get to go in a room really you know, privately with someone and, and interview them for however long. Uh, they'll also have informal interviews with prospects, which is a little bit more casual. You know, a scout talks to a guy in, in, in passing or in public, you know, on, at the hotel even. Like informal can mean a lot of things. It's a really loose term. But the formal interviews, again, will be in a room with whoever the Titans decide to have in that room. Surely, you know, Mike Vrabel and, and Rand Carthen will be a part of that. So those typically mean a little bit more as they start getting ready to bring in guys for top 30 private visits after the combine. So all that stuff is big. The testing, I think you're all you know familiar with, of course. And I always, me, I'm a big fan of the three cone. That's one I typically put more stock in than the 40 yard dash. Although the 40 gets all the headlines. I love to see what a guy gets on the three cone. Not a lot of stock in the bench press for me personally. It's nice to see it for offensive linemen and whatnot, but um, I think you all have, again, a, a pretty good general idea on the testing and what to look out for. I want to talk about some of the underrated aspects. Um, for example, I spoke with multiple agents um, this week who represent uh, you know, certain Tennessee Titans players who are on expiring contracts. And I asked them about, hey, have you heard from the Titans at all? Have there been discussions about them re-signing your client? And all of them essentially said the same thing to me. They said, I, you know, we, no, we really haven't had those discussions, but I imagine if they're going to take place, they're going to happen at the Combine. So this is this is sort of the information I want to leave our audience with. Um, potentially, if the Titans are looking um, at re-signing some of these guys, um, expect them to take initiative at the Combine. Everyone's there. Everyone's in town in Indianapolis to talk to some of these agents who represent um, th- these Titans players and start maybe hammering out some of the details um, of a deal, at least the, the, the minor details, or see if we're in the same ballpark, right? Have those discussions where am I, where are you kind of thing? Is there a place we could meet in the middle? Um, so I think that's a really underrated aspect. Titans fans should know. And again, I've been able to get confirmation on this from multiple agents that represent Titans players. And another thing is, um, you know, there have been some loose rumors and talks that we made fun of even of the Titans <laughs> moving up to number one overall or potentially a, a trade up, a trade down, whatever. Again, these discussions also largely take place at yeah. the Combine. I, I'll, I feel very comfortable making a prediction right now I think the Bears will trade out of the number one pick, and I think it'll happen well in advance of the NFL draft. I don't think that's something that's going to happen on draft day. Um, so expect the combine to be a really big event for that, right? I think Ryan Poles, the Bears general manager, will start having those discussions about what they're looking for if they do decide to move out of that pick. And I think the combine is going to be really important for that. So if you do think there's a chance the Titans are going to move up to number one, I have a hard time seeing it, um, but expect those conversations to take place at the combine. Yeah, I think the most like the closest experience Titans fans have with this is when the Titans themselves traded out of number one overall right. back in 2016. And back then, you know, John Robinson went out and said that those conversations began with Les Snead at the combine. So um, 
I do think that that is a place to, you know, just keep your ear out, your eye out on Twitter for these rumors, these draft trade rumors. Cause it, you know, even like when it comes to trading players, like all these guys that are supposedly on the trade block, like those things could start happening this week and next week as well. So uh, now's the time where the, the off season's going to get pretty fun and pretty busy as players change teams and all those discussions will start this week at the combine going to be a fun week uh we'll be back next week to talk about all of it and recap everything so that's it that's the end of this episode um thanks to everyone for listening to the music city audible follow justin on twitter at justin m underscore nfl you can follow me at titans film room thanks again to the pharmacy burger parlor and beer garden and check out broadwaysportsmedia.com where you can become a broadway insider to get early access to things like justin's newest big board which just posted and get Guess who's on? Guess who the cover image is? I noticed that you uh, you chose an old faithful there. Bijan Hookham Robinson is your <laughs> cover photo. Did you move him up? Was he always at three or did he go from four to three? I thought he was at four before. No, he was always at three. Um, oh, okay, I've okay. just I have firmly had him there. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I've got so much content going out the last few days. I forgot. Um, yes, the top 100 is live right now on broadwaysportsmedia.com. I welcome any and all questions. Hit me up on Twitter. Yeah, by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll be free for everyone to read. Again, if you're a BSM insider, you got 24-hour early access to my big board. It's, of course, the largest big board I've released to date. It's in triple digits for the first time this year. I had previously, I think, gone with a top 50 and then a top 75. This is my first top 100 of the year. Um, I probably will only do two more of these, I think. I'll expand to at least 150. I'll probably do a post-combine update. I'm sure I'll have lots of movement, uh, you know, post-combine, at least, you know, throughout all of the players. Um, and then I'll probably uh, do a, a top 150. Maybe a bit more than that. I'm not certain that I'm going to get to enough to drop a top 200. I am at about 155 players right now. I imagine I'll at least get to 175. But if I only get to 175, I wouldn't feel good releasing a 175 because a lot of those back-end guys I probably don't think are actually top 175 players. So right. uh, you'll at least get a top 150 from me. That's my promise. But make sure you head over to Broadway right now. This is my, my biggest update yet, expanding my 50 players, top 100. I, I, and one thing I did, and I'll pat myself on the back a little, I don't see many other people do, is I've got notes in there on a lot of the players. Like I, you know, I, It's a lot of work to release a big board of a top 100, but I tried to pick one player for like every five or 10 and give you like 50 to 75 words on one what I like about that player or what I don't like about that player, yada, yada. So there is some good info. I even got like a mid-round guard that I say is a really good fit for the Titans, in my opinion. So there are lots of really good nuggets in there. I, I do think you'll learn something. Check it out. Top 100. It's my biggest update yet. It's pre-combine. So that's so super important. You'll get a post-combine update when the time comes, probably a few weeks from now. Give me time to work through it. Top 100. Head over to Broadway. Make sure you read it. Nice. So everyone will do that. And thanks again to you all for listening. We'll be back next week to talk more Titans, Combine recap stuff, and any other news that may break between now and then. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.